Parkway Church. How y'all doing today? Good. I'm so glad you're here today as we celebrate my dad is better than your dad day. So, so glad you're with us. We are in the middle of a series, we're actually wrapping up a series today entitled Mastermind, where our goal is to change the way we think so that we can change the way we live according to God's word. And we're in the book of Ephesians where the Apostle Paul opens the book with some great theological truth to remind us of who we are and whose we are. That we are sons or daughters of Christ who've been given every spiritual blessing by God. If we've believed in Jesus for life, we are his and we are forever his. Remember who we are and whose we are. And then Paul begins to walk through our world on a daily basis and talk to us about how we can live our lives as children of the light. Talk to us about how last week we could rethink marriage and what submission looks like in relationships and what love looks like between a husband and a wife. Well, as we continue our journey through the book of Ephesians, we enter into a section where Paul's going to talk to us about the daily grind. And is there more to the daily grind than just getting up and raising kids? Is there more to the daily grind than getting up and going to work? Is there more to the daily life for retired people getting up and going to the doctor? (laughs) Is there more to the daily grind than shuttling people from here to there? Is there more to the daily grind than just earning a paycheck and then spending a paycheck as slowly as possible? Is there more to life than just the daily grind? And men ask this question as they chase their purpose in life. Women ask this question as they chase meaning in this life. And what we're going to find today as we rethink family is that what we do on a day-to-day basis, specifically as parents, and then specifically as people who work to earn a living, what we do, however we earn a living, everything can be done to honor God. And we're going to talk about that, that your work is just as much worship is my work. And your value as parents matters in the life of your kids, in the life of our city, in the life of our country. Your value as parents can never be, can never be understated. So I am so glad you're here as we wrap up this series. The first thing we're going to do is rethink what family relationships look like or rethink how family relationships work. There was a foundation for this laid last week in Ephesians chapter 5. When Paul told us that we should submit to each other. And then he gets very specific and he says that wives should submit to their husbands like they're following Christ. And that husbands should love their wives like Christ has loved the church. And he set up that love and respect model. Well, built on that foundation of submission, love, and respect, Paul looks down at the next generation. And he says to children, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Paul was quoting Moses from Deuteronomy 5, verse 6. He was quoting the very first command in Scripture that came with a promise. And here's the promise. Kids, if you will learn how to honor and obey your parents, you will have a life that goes well, and you can enjoy a long life on earth. Now, my dad used to have a saying that perhaps your dad used. And on this Father's Day, I don't know that it's the best parenting advice, but I do know as the parent of three teenagers, sometimes it works. My dad used to say to me, son, I was the one that brought you into this world, so I can 
Oh, there you go. There you go. Is that what Paul and Moses are both threatening here? You will honor your parents. You will obey your mother and father, or we'll take you out. You'll have a short life, and it won't go well for you. I, I'm the one that brought you into this world. I'm the one that can take you out of this world. That's not what they're saying. But what they're saying is there's a special relationship between kids and parents, just like there's a special covenant relationship between husband and wife, that if we can learn how to relate to each other, our life truly will go better, and we will enjoy a life honoring God for a long time, Lord willing. So this is no threat. This is a promise. And it sets up how kids are to relate to parents and how parents are to relate to kids. It comes back to Ephesians 5, verse 21. Listen to what the Bible says, just as a reminder of the foundation we laid last week. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, all of this, how we relate to each other in every earthly relationship is based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Every earthly relationship is based on a heavenly relationship. And so we are to submit to each other and our kids, if we're parents, are to submit to us, honor and obey us. There's a real gut check moment that came as I was preparing for this. Because here's the deal. If we're to mutually submit, willingly submit our lives one to, one to another, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, parents to kids, kids to parents, everybody to everybody as believers in Jesus Christ, here's the gut check. If our kids see us struggle with submission, why do we think that they will submit to, honor, and obey us? If they see mom and dad always pushing against the love and respect model in the home, why do we think that they will pick up a model that they have never, ever seen to love and to respect the authority in their lives, including mom and dad, to honor and to obey them? Here's the wake-up call. If you argue with each other on everything as husband and wife, what do you expect your kids to do? <laughs> they will do exactly as you have taught them. They will argue with you. They will push every limit because that's the model they've seen. I encourage you, everyone, no matter your age or life stage, to pick up this principle. I'm going to submit to others because I have submitted my life to Jesus Christ. I can be a different spouse because I am following the risen Savior. I can be a different father because I am following the one whom the Father sent to give me life. I'm going to submit my life to others, what's needed and what's best for them. Because I have already submitted my life to Jesus Christ. Two things to consider with this. What I say and how I say it, and dads, I'm talking very specifically to you right now. What I say and how I say it sets the example for my kids. My kids are parrots of me. They repeat what I say again and again and again and again. And they repeat how I say it. My kids are parrots. If I say something the right way with the right tone, you know what? They're going to start repeating the right thing with the right tone. If I start pushing with the wrong tone in the wrong way, you know what they're going to repeat? Exactly what came out of my mouth. Why? Because I have set the standard in my home. This is permitted, this tone, this content, this is permitted, so they will parrot it. 
So anytime I hear my kids get an attitude, and my kids are just like your kids, and so when I hear my kids get attitude, you know what I do first? I look in the mirror to see if I've set that example. Because I need to submit my own attitudes, my own words, my own desires to Christ. So I set an example worth following in the home. And then also what I allow said sets the boundaries for my house. Man, do you realize that love and respect for your spouse means that there are times when you're going to have to step up and say, that's not acceptable? If I have one of my kids parrot me, if I have one of my kids that does something completely like I would never, ever do or say, and they cross a boundary, as father, my job is to stand up for the tone and the content and the respect factor in my house. So here's what I say. If I have a kid that gets a little too sassy, a little too disrespectful, I will stand up and say, don't you talk to my wife like that. Because that rightly puts the relationship. It's not just about disrespecting your mom. You are disrespecting my wife. And that will not happen. And you know what the, the crazy thing? When, when Christy stands up and says, you will not talk to my husband like that. Oh, they listen so much quicker. Right? But it plays both ways. Because we set the boundaries so that our kids will love and honor and respect us. And so that our kids will submit their life to Jesus. So that makes me, if, if parenting works differently, I want to rethink, and this is an explanation to fill in, I want to rethink how parenting works. And the big idea here is we're not just raising kids to be good kids. We are training our kids to be godly adults. We're not just raising our kids to be good academically and to be good emotionally and to be good in life. We're raising our kids to be great, godly adults. And this is what the Bible says is required of fathers to make that happen. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. See, there's something that we're supposed to not do. And the, the not do there is to exasperate our kids. Can, can somebody stand up just right where you are, any location, and give me a definition of what it means for fathers to exasperate their kids. Well, here's the deal. When fathers set an example that can never be reached, they frustrate their kids. When fathers set an example and then change the goal line so the kids can never satisfy their dad, that is an example of exasperating your children. When fathers will pick and prod and frustrate their kids, that is an example of exasperating your kids. And the Bible here says, fathers, do not do that. And as I hear it, I, I mean, when I read that, and I was like, okay, I can't set example, like I can't set a standard that's too high. I can't move the objective. I can't pick and prod. I, I read that, and I was like, well, I can't be myself. <laughs> and in many ways, dads, you can't be your natural self. But instead, you've got to be your intentional self where you say, my, my job here isn't just to deliver great dad jokes. You know what makes a, a dad joke great? Dad jokes are great when they're all grown. Grown. Hey, just because you can't laugh doesn't mean I can't joke. But, but here's what I want you to take away. When you exacerbate, 
When you exasperate your children, you exacerbate the situation. When I am exasperating my children, all I'm doing is pouring fuel on whatever fire is already burning in their life. When I exasperate exasperate my kids, I exacerbate the situation. I've been walking around all weekend long at my house. Exasperate, exacerbate, exacerbate. Anyway, I'm trying my best. But when we exasperate our kids, we exacerbate the situation. And exacerbate means to make it worse. Exacerbate means to continue the the fight. Exacerbate means to pour fuel on the fire. Dads, that is what I would do in my natural self. But I've submitted my life to Christ, and I've submitted my life to love my wife. I've submitted my life to lead my kids in a way that they grow up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So I want you to keep in mind that your job, fathers, is to raise your kids up in the Lord, not to pour fuel on the fire to frustrate them all the more. And you really need to put this in play when you see your kids acting like you. When your kids prove that they have your DNA, it's your turn to say, okay, we are going to change this. We are going to move forward. We're going to move past this. I'm going to raise them beyond my ability, and I'm going to raise them in the fear and the instruction of the Lord. And what does this look like? What does the fear and the instruction of the Lord look like? Well, it means as fathers and as parents, moms, tap into this with us. We are going to have a different agenda for our kids. And so the first question as we look at raising our kids up in the fear and the instruction of the Lord, the first question that must get answered is, what do kids believe? What do our kids believe about Jesus? It's the most important thing that they will ever decide. It's the most important thing that you could ever lead them to believe. You can lead them to believe in themselves, and that's great. Every kid needs to know that they were created in the image of God, and they have value before God. You can lead them to believe in themselves, but that doesn't change forever. Mom and dad, we must introduce our kids to Jesus. Because their faith that they put in him is what saves them. And some of you push back and you go, Mike, we bring our kids here so that you will do that. In fact, we have a large team of people that we employ, that we encourage, that we serve with so that they can do that. Well, can I just, with the love of God, tell you this? You cannot and should not, and we will not stand by while you outsource the spiritual development of your kids to someone else. Moms and dads, you are the primary faith trainer of your children. And so what they believe about Jesus is central. Second, how are they loving God and loving people? Some dads, man, we want our kid to be able to hit the fastball. But can I tell you the ultimate goal in our life for our kids should be how are they loving God and loving people? Because that is a great measuring stick for how they are living. Sometimes as parents, we fall into the the lie that it's just a phase. They'll grow out of it. 
It's just a phase. I don't have to discipline it. It's just a phase. It's okay if they don't obey or honor me here. It's just a phase. Let me tell you, just a phase mentality of mom and dad can wreck the life of a kid. Because your kid will have phases when they're 20. Your kid will have phases when they're 30. Your kid will have phases when they're 40. Your kid will have phases when they're 50. Your kid will always be in a phase. The question is, will the one you're raising honor God no matter their age and life stage? Will they love God and love people? How are they living? And it's measured by, am I I following God? And am I loving people? And then the third thing, what do they believe about Jesus? How are they loving God and loving people? Third, how are they serving Jesus? If we are going to be fathers who raise our kids in the fear and the instruction of the Lord, then we need to be the dads that look and say, how are my kids serving Jesus? Especially in their high school and middle school years. The leading indicator whether or not your kid will stick with their faith and your faith when they leave your home is whether or not they're serving Jesus while they're in high school. That's the leading indicator. Not dropping them off for a small group, not encouraging them to come to church every Sunday, but the leading indicator is whether or not they are serving Jesus. And because our teenagers need to answer the exact same question that moms and dads need to answer. You know what that question is? What's my life all about? Is my life all about me, my wants, my needs, my desires? Or is my life all about submitting myself to Jesus? Because when people get that my life is about submitting myself to Jesus, they are going to naturally serve other people. And they're going to serve in the name of Jesus. Moms and dads who figure this out are, are setting that example in the home for serving Christ. Moms and dads who figure this out are going to get their kids in a place where they've got the time and the margin and the desire to serve Jesus. See, because it's not just about the popularity game. It's about whether or not we are positioning our kids and encouraging our kids to be servants of Jesus Christ. So can I, can I press in one step further? For this to work, dads, your children need you to be friendly, but they don't need you to be their friend. You've got a role far more than just the role of friend in the life of your kids. You've got the role of father. They need you to be friendly. Don't exasperate them and exacerbate the situation. They need you. They need you to be friendly. But they need you to be their father. Moms, they don't need you to be their BFF. They need you to be their mother who is setting an example and showing them what life looks like to love and honor God. So when do you get to be their friend? When do you get to be their BFF? I haven't figured that out yet, but I sure hope it's when they have grandkids. When does that change? Your kids will always need you to be the one that encourages them and supports them, to be the one that strengthens them so no matter their age or life stage or whatever phase they're in, they can love and honor God. 
So if we're going to rethink the daily grind, we're going to rethink how parenting works. Then we're also going to rethink work. How many of y'all will wake up at some point this week and go to work for a paycheck? Look at all the excitement in the room. Could you, could you feel it? I mean, there was just like this energy in the room, like, I can't wake up. I can't wait to wake up on Monday and go to work. There was this energy. There was this, yes, I get to work. <laughs> no, there was no excitement. How many of y'all are going on vacation this week? A little bit more excitement there. Hands went up fast. There's smiles. I thought we might get a woohoo or two. But what if we saw work? Not as a burden that we go through. Not as hours that we clock in and clock out. Not as responsibilities that must be done. But instead, what if we saw work as worship? What if you saw what you do and where God has placed you as your worship unto God? What if you saw your parenting as worship? What if you saw your work as worship? What if you saw everything you do in your life It's an opportunity to worship God because it's possible. It's possible to work for God in the oil field and to worship him as you do. It's possible to work for God as you teach a child at school. It's possible for you to work in a plant and whatever y'all do there, it's possible. (laughs) It's possible. For you to go to work and put on your hard hat, put on the flame retardant clothes, and it's possible for you to see that work as worship. Because that job, that work, was God's gift to you. Paul's going to talk to us, and he's going to use some uncomfortable language in our day. He's going to talk to us about slaves and how they are, as Christians, to respond to their masters. And that language is so instructive to us today on how we as Christian employees, we as Christian teammates, we as people who go to work and work for someone else, yes, we have a freedom that the slaves never knew. We can quit our job and leave. But we can also see this example and say, I'm going to go where God has placed me, and I am going to work as worship. Listen to what Paul writes, Ephesians 6, 5 and 6, 5 through 8. Slaves, Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. So he is just continuing this idea. If I submit to Christ, then I'm going to love my wife like Christ has loved the church. If I submit to Christ, then I'm going to respect my husband like I respect Jesus and follow him. And as a child, I'm going to love and honor my mom and dad. I'm going to submit my life to them. And now he goes, okay, let's take this submission idea to work. Keep reading verse 6. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, you've submitted your life to Christ. Do the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they do it and they're a slave or they are free. So you can go to work slave or free. You can go to work and worship God. And the Bible here maps it out for us. First thing, I'm going to work willingly with respect. I'm going to work willingly with respect. The Bible here says, I'm going to actually seek to win their favor. 
When's the last time you woke up and you said, I'm going to do what I can today to win the favor of my coworkers? When's the last time you, you woke up and you said, today's not just about surviving. Today is about winning the respect, winning the favor of my coworkers. And I'm doing this because it shows that I have the favor of God on my life. I'm doing this because it shows that I've submitted my life to Jesus. No matter your job, no matter your position in whatever organization you work in, we all work for somebody. And so I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, hey, today, I'm going to go do it in such a way that I win the favor of the people that I work with. I've got my, my parenting skills that I'm working on. I'm working on skills with my marriage partner. And now I'm going to go to work with my peers and I'm going to say, how can I submit my life to Jesus right now so that I can win the favor of my teammates, win the favor of my peers? I'm going to work willingly with respect. I always say around here that in, in, in the hiring process, when we're talking to people about joining the team, one of the things that matters most to me is that people are self-starters. Because that's one of the ways that we show that we're working willingly with respect. And I will look at people in the interview process to check their self-starter level. And I'll say this. If I have to come to your house to start your car, to get you to come to work in the morning, this place isn't going to be a fit for you. I'm not here to start your car. I'm here to encourage you and to coach you and to celebrate you as you work willingly with respect. Does your boss have to start your car? Or do you step into the work environment wherever God has placed you and you say, you know what? I'm going to work willingly with respect. Second, Paul teaches us in Ephesians 6, 5 through 8, to work faithfully with integrity. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, do the will of God from your heart. So even when their eye isn't on you, you're going to work with integrity. That's what integrity means. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be the same person if they're with me or with their, when they're not with me. I'm going to work with integrity, even when they aren't watching. You know what builds the trust factor in every relationship? It's the ability to live with integrity. And only Jesus in a relationship with Christ gives us the power to do that. Do you realize that the power of the Holy Spirit goes with you to work so that you can work with integrity? Do you realize that the power of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit goes with you to work so that you can have integrity in that moment when you're tempted to not have integrity? Holy Spirit convicts and you submit and you act with integrity. The reason that you can worship as work is because God goes with you wherever you work. Now, you might not say this today, but there are some Sundays when I get done preaching and people say two things. Dude, you are on fire today. Dude, you were like on fire. I'm like, well, put me out, right? Put me out. And then the second thing they'll say is you were speaking right to me. Now, you might not say it today, but this is what gets said. And you know what I do every time somebody says, dude, you're on fire. 
Dude, you're reading my mail. Dude, you're speaking right to me. You know what I do? And I, I say, thank you, and I'm glad God's working. But you know what that confirms to me? It confirms to me that the Spirit of God is working through me in my job. Do you realize that you could be on fire at work too, no matter what you're doing? Do you realize that you could be one that is helping people and leading people where they go, dude, Dudette, you're reading my mail. You are, like, you're speaking right to me. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit can work in you no matter what you do, just as the Holy Spirit works in me when I attempt to do what I do? Man, if you woke up tomorrow and you said, I'm going to work willingly with respect, and I'm going to work with integrity, asking the Holy Spirit of God to work in me no matter what I do. Oh, that's work. It's worship. And then last one, to work is worship. Work hard like you're working for Jesus, and you can fill in that blank. Work hard like you're working for Jesus, because you are. Did you see that Paul told the slaves to work for their earthly masters because they have a relationship with the heavenly father? Work for your earthly masters with integrity and with willingness and respect because you are working not just for them, but you're working for God. And, and one last reminder, and I'll be done with the reminders. You don't work for the person who signs your paycheck. You work for the person who's provided everything for you. And that's Jesus Christ. I don't work for you. I work for the Lord who's called me and placed me here and given me the opportunity to do my job. And you don't work for your boss. You work for the one who has given you talent, who has given you skills, who has taught you while you were educated. You work for the one who wired up your mind and gave you these hands to do what you do. That's who you work for. You work not for your earthly master, but you work for your heavenly father. And that's why you could go to work as worship. Now, I would encourage you not to do it as I do it. Don't go to work as worship and say, okay, we're going to begin the day with 20 minutes of singing. And then I'm going to preach at you. And then the best part, we're going to collect an offering. Right? That's, don't, don't try that at work. But you can go to work tomorrow with the grace of God, the power of God at work in your life. And you can see it, not as the daily grind, but as worship. And does it take work to worship as work? Yes, it does. It doesn't mean that we excuse laziness or promote idleness. It means that we see our lives and we see what we do as a work unto God not simply unto man. So today, we're going to rethink how parenting works. Fathers, set that example. Fathers, don't pour fuel on the fire, but instead raise your kids up in the fear and the instruction of the Lord. And all of us, no matter the work God has given us, we wake up and we say, God, may I worship you today because you have gifted me, you have placed me, and you have called me to do what I'm doing right now.
Let's pray together.